0: The Brown Sign Project Podcast is proudly supported by Stephen Spencer and Associates. There's reopening, then there's building back better, then there's creating a sustainable future business model. From managing change to customer experience design and brand communication, our innovation toolkit helps visitor attractions and destinations build forward better. You're listening to The Brown Sign Project Podcast, bringing people together to share experiences and what they love about working within the tourism industry to inspire and empower the next generation of tourism professionals. Join Carlton and Carly as they dive into the world of visitor journey mapping. They will be bringing together panels of specialists to guide and help us understand visitor journey mapping and its role in delivering memorable visitor experiences. Hi,
1: and welcome to the Brownstein project. And my name is Carlton. Hi, Carly. How are you doing today?
2: I'm really good. How are
1: you? I am good. I'm good. We're actually really excited about this. We're we're going to be talking about something that is kind of, um, people know about it, but they don't really know how to do it. And it's all about customer journey and, and customer journey mapping. So this episode is going to be talking about how we do that and what that is all about. And we've got two amazing people. To talk about this topic, um, we've got Stephen and we've got Jerry. So, hello, Stephen, Jerry. How are you hello. How are you? Hello. Oh, here they are. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us um, on this podcast. We're honestly so excited to hear your thoughts about the customer journey map and how that works. So, before we start, what we'd like to do is kind of get you just to introduce yourself and just tell us what what you do and how you do it, and then we'll start with some some of the questions.
3: So let's start with Stephen, go ahead. Thank you very much. Well, again, thanks very much for having me. And um, so I'm Stephen Spencer. My business is called Stephen Spencer and Associates, not because I'm a sort of egomaniac, but because um, we we set up the business um, last year after five years of of, of operating in COVID times to really be a collaborative network of consultants, um, all with a passion for customer experience. Um, but also with a whole range of applied disciplines. So, you know, once you've done your customer journey map and you've designed your experience, um, we can help you to implement it as well. And uh, I come from a sort of very checkered uh, career uh, in in the sort of retail and visitor attractions sector. So I've kind of, if I'm telling you how to do it, I've actually done it and been responsible for it. That's sort of my um kind of angle anyway lovely to be here thank thanks you.
1: thanks for receiving and jerry hey carlton
4: good to see and hear you again yeah. uh, and, and look congratulations first on making it to your second season that's uh, a yeah. uh, thank you the proverbial difficult second album uh because you know, <laughs> uh, thank you for for having this uh in, in in place and sharing the insights with with everyone um yes yeah, so like i'm jerry jerry angrave i run a consulting firm called empathize and yeah like i um my background is in customer experience I, I i love it i love it because it focuses on people i love it because it helps business become stronger uh and uh one of the or the areas that i help businesses are around that that kind of cultural engagement that strategic. Vision. How, how do you make this all happen? How do you take customer experience from being a, uh, a, a you know, everyone's talking about it but To your point, Calvin, how do we do it? What, what's the the tactical stuff that will make a real difference? Um, so yeah, my my background, like Stephen, is in the, the corporate world uh, in marketing and then customer experience roles. And I work with uh, lots of different companies in different sectors, but I think the, you know, the, the, uh, the visitor attraction side of it is really interesting because it's very tangible, isn't it? And it's very immediate. So yeah, really looking forward to uh, to discussing the, the journey mapping uh, topic. And uh, yeah, thanks again for, for having me.
2: Excellent. Thank you. Um, wh- When we sort of had this idea for Series 2 and we talked about customer journey mapping is that it, it seems like, or it sounds really complicated when you think, oh, it's customer journey mapping. People have this idea that it's sort of this big, difficult thing you know that's going to take a lot of resource a lot of energy and a lot of time and sort of why would they do it so the question that we're sort of here to to answer is what is customer journey mapping and and why is it important to your business so as a as a first question it's only a small question obviously and for Spencer but (laughs) give us your thoughts on that so Jerry if you want to go first as to what is customer journey mapping and and why is it important for your business yeah it's
4: to answer the second point first it's phenomenally important because it is one of the best ways of understanding what your business looks like to your customers. Um, to your point around, uh, yes, it beca- it can it can be complicated. It can be huge, um, uh, and and ultimately you would be building a program of journey mapping that will look at different different persona types, different journeys. Uh, what you then do with it is is key. So it it can become. Uh, a, a quite a sizable animal if you like but so the 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 key to it is to understand exactly what it is and how you're gonna how you're going to use it so i think you know it at, at its heart isn't it it's a it's a visualization of, of what it looks like to be uh, a customer or a visitor um and the the key there is that it's the customer's journey it's uh, and this is where the discipline comes in. You have to be really rigorous about saying this is not a process map. Let's kind of forget everything we know about our own business and initially take a customer's perspective and map that journey, their experience of what it's like. And then you can overlay what the processes are. Obviously, we'll get it. We'll get into this later. But you know, you can then validate it with customers to make sure that it is their, their view of the world. But um, yeah, in terms of getting. An organization moving to the next step in customer centricity. Yeah, journey mapping, I would say that if you if you don't do anything else in the name of customer experience, give journey mapping a go and see where it'll take you because it brings people together. They learn about their own business. They get excited about looking at their what they do uh, from a different perspective. And, and it flushes out all sorts of challenges and awkward conversations and that kind of stuff, which is what you – what you need it to do. Um, but yeah, at its heart, it's a it's a visualization of uh, what it's like to be a customer that you can share and use to drive the right change. Because that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's It can't just be a journey mapping workshop with lots of post-it notes. Yeah. It, it has to be something that's going to be strategic, effective, and influential in what it does. It has to drive change. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's got to be done cognizant of all those parts. But yeah, at, a, at its heart, it's a it's a brilliant exercise, a really tangible way of getting everybody involved in, in your movement to become more customer centric.
2: Excellent. Yeah. And I like what you said, actually, because I find that when I talk to businesses ab- about this kind of cultural shift is that they're scared about those big conversations that come out that you know it like any relationship or you know the relationships you have at work sometimes you don't want to push the <laughs> you know you you think if we start having these conversations where will they stop you know but i think that's a, it is a it is a journey that you're going on and don't see it like say you can't just do the the post-it notes on a table and, and that's the end of it. This is definitely something you have to embrace as a, as a business. So Steven, same, same question to you. (laughs) What is, what is customer journey mapping to you and and why is it important? And again, tiny question shouldn't take you long to answer.
3: (laughs) Well, I've spent uh, quite a few years. Um, I understand what it is. I, I think, um, I I hope we all do, but, uh, you know, quite a few years trying to explain it to other people and, um, uh, Last year, I mean, you know, one of the great things um, that's happened in the last year, um, obviously, other very terrible things have happened, is that we've all got uh, much more access to some of our heroes. And um, I met uh, virtually um, somebody I'm sure we all know or have heard of, Lou Carboni, who um, possibly invented the term customer experience. And he said... And I just thought this is genius. Um, You cannot not have an experience. And for me, that kind of sums it all up. Your customer is having an experience of your business, whether you like it or not. So, you know, if you've got uh, any um, uh, intention of um, having a sustainable business, um, particularly now when, you know, for the foreseeable future, there's probably going to be less customers around. Um, they you may be having to uh, manage capacity um, people may well have less money or less ability to travel then you need to maximize obviously every interaction that you can between your business and your customer so you better know actually what that experience looks like and what better way you know, if we want to keep it simple than just walking in the customer's shoes just understanding how it is that they come to and travel through your business and what happens indeed afterwards. And actually um, what can we do to ensure that they get not just the experience they came for, but more than that, and that we deepen that engagement and obviously maximize um, the revenue that um, proceeds from that as well. So to me, I completely agree with the point you made, Jerry. It's also about a way of bringing everyone together. I mean, on the simplest level, You know, just literally saying, right, let's just all stand around a big table uh, with some paper on it and just literally draw a map of our customer journey. And you suddenly find and, you know, we've done this many times that all the different departments in the organization are suddenly seeing insights that they would never normally have had because they never even thought about the fact the customer had a life in the business beyond my bit of it. So I I think it's an incredibly powerful tool, but I also think it's an absolutely vital tool because it's the only structured way to know exactly what it is you're delivering and, you know, more importantly, to manage that so that you maximise the potential of it.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right, Stephen. It is such an important tool and a lot of organisations don't really understand the the power and the information and the data you get from it, yeah. it can make really good business decisions and um, best for the business but also for the customer experience and it is it really does come down to it it's all about the experience that you have it could be good it could be bad regardless of what you do so try to understand how do you get involved in doing a mapping so like who's who's the best people to start this process in a business um let, let's start with jerry if that's okay yeah it,
4: it's a great question because these things obviously don't happen on their own. Um, They, uh, somebody has to take control. Uh, And and the the unsatisfactory answer to your question, Carlton, will be that it depends. Uh, It'll depend on who's got the the, the passion for it, who's got the mandate for it. Uh, That could be, um, say, let's say it's either somebody in a customer service team, or or if there is a customer experience, visitor experience team, then there'll be somebody there. I think then the challenge becomes who do you get involved, and the uh, in terms of inviting people to the workshops or to get involved in your program, you'll you'll be reaching out to your friendly customer obsessed colleagues uh, who want to be part of your gang. And um, beyond that, you've got to reach out to ideally every single part of the the organisation uh, to get them involved because the the, the broader uh, representation you have, the more effective it's going to be in in the long term about uh, with the whole engagement piece. I did some work with a couple of airports uh, last year, and we not only had people from the uh, from the marketing team, the customer service team, the contact center, uh, but we had people from the the, the fire service, from the uh, the baggage handlers, from air traffic control, from the airlines and the crews. Because with without Having people from you know it's that jigsaw, isn't it, of, of everyone who has some involvement. We need their input, and as Stephen said, it, it shows it shows them what the total picture of the experience looks like. So I think you know there's the um, people who are going to be engaged and get involved. There's going to be people from right across the business, but then I think in terms of when when you're doing say we're working on a workshop either in a room or doing it virtually, as we have been doing. and um, you know, To have a senior person there, at least at the very start and the, the end, is so important um, because it shows to everybody this stuff, th- this is important stuff, and the leadership team are engaged and they believe it's the right thing to do. So them turning up, even if it's just for a couple of minutes and saying, Have a great day, folks, but this is really important in giving us direction about where our priorities should be, where our investment decisions are going to be. And then coming in at the end of the day and saying, how was it? What did you find? What were the surprises? That sort of thing as well is is phenomenally important. So, yeah, in terms of who gets involved, um, if you if you have the luxury of being able to choose from anybody, then, yeah, your immediate cohort. Yeah, cross-functional people and then they kind of have the, the leadership if, if at
1: all possible. Awesome. Thank you so much. And Stephen, what's your thoughts about who should get involved and how how do you do that? Yeah,
3: well, I agree with everything Jerry said. I mean, I think um, there's there's sort of one incredibly key point, which is well, actually possibly two. One is about the commitment of the leadership of the organization, the people who are actually able to facilitate you know action you know, as Jerry said, you know, it, it, it's got to be about um, more than just um, mapping the customer journey in, in a room with post-it notes. It, it, it's about actually the action that's taken. And if the leadership of the organisation, A, don't really understand what they're getting into, and B, are not really committed to supporting the outcomes, then, you know, at worst, um, you, you've not only devalued whole process but but you've demoralized the people who are involved um i've done a a a lot of training courses of customer experience training courses for frontline teams where one of the things we do is get them to map the customer journey because it is very powerful it it um it, it means that as we've already said other departments can see things from you know their colleagues um point of view and and from the customer's point of view Holistically. Um, And that is a good way of actually um, helping to motivate uh, frontline teams and get them to think more about what it is that they're there to deliver. But it still relies on, you know, if it's the culture of the organization to be customer focused or whether you're just setting up the team to do their best in adverse circumstances. So there's the point about the leadership. And the other point is. You know, it, it depresses me when i see organisations um uh, and, and museums actually it's quite often the case um, i don't want to be too controversial here but hey you know we're trying to boost the listening figures so let's go for it <laughs> controversial's fine go for it <laughs> well in in museums in particular but not only museums um y- you see all these departments you know you see um uh you know operations and uh, public programming and education and curatorial and exhibitions and um, and then you see visitor experience and very often y- you see an organisation recruiting somebody to to head up visitor experience to address the fact that they're not very visitor focused or visitor friendly or to improve their visitor experience and I've been in those type of organisations where to get anything done, you have to have a meeting with about 20 people of whom about 18 are against whatever it is that you're trying to do. And, you know, so you you really do have to um, look at where customer experience or visitor experience actually sits in the hierarchy, because actually it's pretty much the most important thing. You know, yes, you could argue that um, the business has to make some strategic decisions about you know what it does and how it uh, how it does that and and um, about investment and so on. but beyond that um, you know the continuous process of delivering to customers and communicating with customers two-way um, is the most important thing. And so to have that as one department or one silo in a multi-siloed organisation is always going to be a problem. So that, I guess, takes me back to my original point that, you know, it's about the commitment from the top, the understanding from the top to actually um, becoming a customer-focused organisation.
2: Yeah, I think that brings me back to sort of what Jeremy Jerry said originally, which was that, you're embarking on something here. This isn't a one-stop shop. You're not going to do this once and it, you know, never, it's going to bring up potentially controversial opinions, people being siloed, you know, people not sharing information, et cetera. And you really have to be careful that you're, you know, you're, you're prepared for what's going to come out of it. And in its extremes, it can be really empowering, you know, super insightful and people can really make breakthroughs in, oh, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize that that team deals with that, or I never realized that's how customers behaved. But, you know, that, that can be frightening as well as empowering, I
4: think. Absolutely. And I was, I was going to, I um, Stephen's absolutely right. And, and, and as you are, Carly, there, and I think the one of the, the key things that as a customer experience professional or, or somebody who's driving this agenda, they may not be in a customer experience team, but is they we have to make, people see the relevance of the journey mapping because if if we're going to hold a workshop or or get into a program we're going to be asking people for their their time so we need to make sure that they understand uh, that that's time well spent if we're taking them out of their jobs away from their frontline duties away from their operational duties we've got to have a pretty good reason why that's a good idea because at this point in a organization's journey often the focus is on what what they do so everyone is focused on doing and doing doing stuff operational matters sort of so to say can you come and spend a few hours in this workshop is like well okay yeah okay jerry you go and have some fun the rest of us are doing some proper work so you have to make it and um, have to make them understand Look, th- this can actually help you achieve your objectives it can help make the business stronger and you've got to be uh, very clear about how it can how it can help them and why they should take time out of the, the business. And as you say, Carl, it's it's about you know the, those light bulb moments where you go, ah right, okay, that's why this bit's important, or that's what happens after I've done my bit in the, the customer journey. And I I'm sorry, should I should have mentioned I, I wrote I happened to have written a book about journey mapping. So um, the, the journey mapping playbook, available at all good booksellers. But now that but the point is. It, I, and some
2: I, and some really terrible bookstores too.
4: I hear yes, a <laughs> lot of those. i would imagine, yes, and um, and but the point is that, and, and Stephen alluded to this as well. That the journey mapping is a um, is phenomenally powerful in poking a stick at the culture, because if you have people there who don't really want to be there, they've only been told to go there because their boss said it's they have to go. Yeah, you, know, you can you can challenge the the organization's real commitment to being customer centric it might have the poster on the wall that says we put customers at the heart of everything we do or whatever version of that platitude there is and um, but just a couple of examples if I may kind of share an anecdote or two this I did some journey mapping with a uh, an accountancy firm recently and we were talking about the importance of Actually, yeah, we should just spend a bit more time with our customers to shadow them through their day or just talk to them about what it's like to be on receiving end of what we do. And one of the senior partners who happened to be there stood up and, and the, the, the shortened version of this is he stood up and, and said, um, Jerry, if you think I'm going to go and talk to my clients about that, I'll only do it if I can bill them for the time that takes. And that right
2: okay. I'm going to unmute myself just to laugh out loud that was, yeah, no, no. and we've all been there <laughs> yeah but,
4: but you know what it, it was really I mean it led to quite an, an awkward conversation because he then got a um, a big uh, a post-it note and wrote uh, when we were looking at measurements what we measure through the journey he just wrote cash is king in big red letters cash is king slapped that up on the journey and and walked out basically and so it kind of Yes, of course, it's all about being in business, making money, if that's your if that's your goal. But how you do that is, is key. But the point is that around you know, the journey mapping, it can really, uh, it, and you, to your point, Carly, you have to be prepared that this will open some really uncomfortable cans of worms. And you'll get into that conversation and say, yeah, look, we've said we want to put customers first, but are we, are we serious about that? Or is that just playing the tune? um so it's yeah and that's why journey mapping going back to original question can become quite uh quite complex to manage it's it's a, it's a big stakeholder uh piece mm-hmm.
1: uh, for sure and um, i want to kind of touch up on something that you've mentioned i think you've both mentioned about workshops so for our listeners if they've never done a customer journey workshop before Kind of what what sort of elements do they need um, to kind of start this journey? Um, what does a workshop look like? Um, because I know you've mentioned about post-it notes. How does post-it notes fit into a workshop?
2: They're the most important thing that any of any workshop, in my opinion. I was- everybody well, should have a whole stack of them
3: <laughs> can I also say that the stickiness of the post-it notes is critical oh, vital <laughs> because if you if you try and uh, save a bit of money and buy cheap post-it notes and they all flutter down off the wall um, it's a complete waste of time so so yeah get proper sticky ones. Yeah. <laughs> um
2: you you laugh do you know what like this is this is hilarious because no and i agree when when we started talking about this podcast and, and we said you know we want to give people actionable things that they could do i mean this is actionable stuff that's actually important and people talk you know when you talk about it on a on a really high level people are like oh you know we're going to do this workshop whatever and it sort of feels quite big and floaty but actually, this really small stuff that's super key to this. Yes, <laughs> and, I, and I love that. I love that level of detail.
3: Well, just I mean, this is one way that I I would do it, and and um uh, and then I'm sure Jerry um, will tell us uh, a better way. But anyway, I'll tell you how I do it. Um, just false modesty there, obviously. Um, I think it, it's really important. You know, we talked about getting um, a representative. Group So that representative group may may be representative of the people who actually deliver the experience or they may be representative of the whole organisation or everyone that might meet a visitor or a customer. You know, for example, um, uh, you know, big country houses, you know, the customer will meet the gardener or, um, you know, the groundsman as well as the visitor experience team. So, you know, thinking about that. Um, I think clarity around who are the visitors is really important. Now, we do various exercises around this, but one that is always fun to do is, and and it helps if it's informed by data. So you start with, you know, this is where our our revenue comes from um, as a sort of segmentation of, um, it might be by, you know, demographic profiles or, or, if you're lucky psychographic but most likely demographic in other words psychographic as in what are they like what you know what do they aspire to you know what are their feelings about um the experience that they want to have um and then you say okay so we've got this data so 20 percent of your your visitors are you know uh, uh, couples uh, from from the uk and 30 percent are international um Free, you know, independent travellers and so on. What are those people actually like? Um, tell us a word that describes them. Tell us what they want, and tell us if they were a celebrity or a character, um, or a band, uh, or a football team. Who would they be? And that is one of those kind of light bulb moments when you you've suddenly translated your customer data into a set of recognisable um uh, personas so we now know who our customers actually are and what they want um as they approach the experience now we can actually map that experience and you know the way i would do it is literally just say right there's a great big piece of paper there's some pens um just map the experience from start to finish bearing in mind the experience starts before they ever come to site and it continues afterwards and depending on the complexity of the site you know you can allow you know half an hour an hour to do that um where where i would then bring in the post-it notes is to identify the moments of truth so you know those touch points that really um make or break the experience or where there's a an opportunity to generate revenue or to you know sign up a, a member or whatever it is um, so that i'll stop there but that's kind of how i would set it up
2: jerry anything to add yeah the uh,
4: so the workshops the post notes are at the heart of it but i think um I, and and you're absolutely right thing yeah pay for good quality post-it notes and make sure it's well organized on on the wall but kind of going back a step uh, in we've talked about who to invite and have a real good think about where you're going to hold the workshop as well Um, Hmm. yeah ideally it would be in a a nice light airy room and think about doing a a walk through the ones I did with with airports we had as part of the day we immersed ourselves in in the Persona, but then kind of just just wandered through the airport, right from the uh, the outer car park to uh, into the terminal, uh, through security, into airside, and had a had a look at it. And it's amazing. You see things. I mean, people were saying, um, "Do you know what? I walk past this bin six times a day, and I've never noticed that it's always full." And and when you force people to slow down and and think about it from again from the customer perspective. You learn so much. But I think, the yeah. again, Stephen's absolutely right. Start with, when you do your journey mapping, you've got to know, it would be really clear who is doing what. And if you go into a journey mapping session, just like, oh, we're going to map a customer journey, it's going to be so diluted, you're going to get very little value from it. So, yeah, have that clear idea of what the personas are. And these are personas, not marketing segments. So that's better than nothing, but a marketing segment will, that's all about understanding how people consume different media, uh, what their income bracket is, all that kind of demographic stuff, which is useful in one part of the business. But what we want to know is, yeah, who are the different types of people that come into our, our visitor attraction? What are their needs, hopes, fears? expectations motivations all that kind of stuff be really clear on on that and you know someone in their 80s or someone who's got a disability may be very different from someone who's coming in as part of a uh, part of a party or a group that kind of stuff and um, then you can get into the the heart of it the, the kind of the workshop which is around well what what does that journey look like and and the way I tend to structure it and not saying this is the right way but the way it works for me is to say what are the stages then what are they in, in each of the stages what is that person doing what's their job to be done so you kind of go through that then what are they thinking so this is where we start to capture the in, in, assuming we're looking at the current state journey then what are the uh, what are the issues they have what are the unanswered questions on their mind capture all that then capture the the emotions and, and not just the the immediate emotions that people think about but kind of what are the emotional drivers of value so what what emotions are we evoking intentionally or unintentionally that are going to drive the value that, that make people think actually do you know i want to buy a souvenir in the gift shop or i want to come again and tell my friends or actually i want to buy membership because i can see myself coming here lots what what emotions are we are are we creating and then if you have time you can also step back and say okay well putting our employee hat back on because all that stuff was from a persona perspective what are our issues at each point of the journey what do we measure through the journey because the the point around journey mapping for me is it's about organizing the thinking and you're going to end up with to your point you, you you can end up with an overwhelming amount of information but what you then have is the mandate to say, right, from here, where do we go? We we might just focus on the the arrival bit of the journey next time and really dig deep into that. Or we might focus on the on-site part of the journey. What does that look like? So it, it helps kind of manage the the thinking. So that's where the, the post-it notes come in because <laughs> you just plaster the wall full of that stuff. And it is amazing. Um it's you know in in we, we can do it in the virtual world and, and we'll come on to that in a moment but yeah in a in a workshop environment yeah, you know, the conversations that that leads to about well i think this or you think that well maybe maybe it looks like this we'll just get it all down just capture it all and you know, those post-it notes are phenomenally effective and yeah it's uh one of the if i had any tips uh um, steven sounds like he's, he's got more but yeah before they start falling off the wall take a good take a photograph of them all because they when you do pull that stuff off the wall inevitably you'll drop one or two um scribble on them which persona which journey because when you look at them in, in a couple of weeks time you need to know uh, where they were captured from um but yeah the 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 workshops do, do, are we do we want to get into how we might do that in the virtual world
3: as well Exactly. Can I just make one very practical point? Um, mm-hmm. Just literally, it's so mundane, I almost am embarrassed to say it, but just because Gerry's um, talking about, you know, this importance of the sticky paste it notes, And I, you may have noticed I talked about um, uh, using tables and something as an alternative. And, you know, quite often um, also, you, you know, you, you may find that you're not allowed to stick things to the walls or there isn't enough wall space. Um, so, you know, two or three trestle tables end to end, then with flip chart paper literally stuck to them um, to allow, you know, not only the map to be done in its full extent, but also everyone to stand around it and you can move around it. And sometimes that's actually easier than using a wall. So I'm not saying it's better, but also it possibly means you can get away with cheaper post-it notes as well. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um yeah I do I do want to pick up on on virtual how we do that about virtual because I think that's really really interesting um especially at the moment and I think one of the things that I think all of us will agree is that going forward a lot more of this stuff will be done virtually is that we won't we've now realized or you know it took people a little while to get used to it but we don't have to travel. We don't all have to be in the same room anymore. So, yeah, if that I think that will continue once people are allowed to, to get back in the same room. So, yeah, Jerry, if you could elaborate, that would be great.
4: Yeah, sure. Um, I, and I think, you know, the, well, the first thing to say is we're talking about visitor attractions. So hopefully, um, you know, the big part of the journey mapping is about um, even if we're not working together when we are on site, just just kind of always wander around the attraction with with one eye on what it might look like from from a customer perspective and uh, you know it, it's there it, it's very physical it's very tangible um it's not like we have a a, a retail footprint of, of 700 stores that we have to take account of all of them um so yeah make make the most of, of being on site and um, yeah when it comes to the journey mapping workshops uh, they they are very doable online in a virtual world i have to say i the preference would always be to do it in person. I think I think we'd always, uh, you, you do get more out of it when you're shoulder to shoulder exchanging a bit of banter and and, and, and that kind of stuff with, with colleagues. But until we're able and feel safe to, to do so, and um, then the virtual world is, is very doable. Um, I've learned a few lessons over the last 12 months, how, how not to do it as well as how, how to do it. And, and I think one of um, the, the way I normally do it just very quickly is, for me, um, and again, Stephen will have his way of doing it, uh, is to run something up on Zoom, but then also overlay that with a collaboration tool like, uh, like Mural or something like that, where you kind of have the, the virtual, um, uh, post-it notes. But the, the the lessons that I learned from that are: don't try and invite as many people as you would to an in-person workshop. Uh, in the, oh, going back to the end of March, early April last year. 2020, um, I did a a, a workshop with a a bank in uh, in Eastern Europe. And we had about uh, 30, 40 people on. And it became unwieldy and unmanageable. And very quickly, we had to kind of back out of it and say, hang on, there must be a better way of doing this. So the the lesson was, um, yeah, only do more sessions, but maybe only have eight or 10 people at the most in each. have shorter sessions, a couple of hours, but yeah, again, you might need to do it in two or three sessions to get through it all, but just kind of break it up. And where I've ended up is uh, whereas in a workshop, people would uh, write their own post-it notes and, and pick them up on the wall and you have that energy going on to make it manageable. What, what I tend to do now is to just have a conversation going on and I will do my best to be the scribe <laughs> and, and I will, take control of where that post-it note goes and, and what's on it. Obviously people can say, oh no, it should be over there, Jerry, or actually the way you should word it is this. But you have to take more control when you're doing it in a in a virtual environment. Otherwise it just becomes un, unmanageable. And then the credibility starts to wane people lose interest and they go back and they say to their boss, actually, yeah, that was a bit of a pain that, that workshop, they're not going to go again. Whereas what you want them to do is to, to start spreading the wording, actually yeah, it was really enjoyable it was really i was able to take part i was able to contribute and we're going to get lots of value out of it so yeah lots of lessons learned um but is is very doable in a in an online virtual world
2: excellent thank you um i want to just move on to our, our what will be our last question actually but you you led me into it earlier because you you mentioned a part of the customer journey which i'm very fond of which is the gift shop um What do you think? And this is, you know, it's like picking your favourite child, I guess, is that, you know, nobody really wants to do it. But what do you think if you had you mentioned earlier, Jerry, that you might be looking at a really quite unwieldy size of business or maybe you just don't have the resource and you want to start small is if you were going to start with one part of the customer journey for your average tourist attraction, where would you start? So I'll leave Jerry to ponder that for a sec, because it's the last question. But Stephen, if you want to, what do you think? Pick your favourite child. Where where do you begin?
3: Well, I mean, I I would pick the shop because that's sort of my background is is in in um retail and then uh, attractions retail. However, um, I would say that, and and you know you could argue that well if we do if we if we journey map the shop, um, which potentially includes online as, as well, of course, um, and all the opportunities to sell uh, a retail product um, to the customer. That may well involve actually looking at much more of the site. But I think what I would probably say is if you're going to and, – and sorry, one other thing is you, you could um, – going right back to the beginning how do you demonstrate the importance of customer journey mapping is you could say well look if you know we use it in the shop we can pretty quickly see whether we've increased the conversion rate the average transaction value etc etc um but i would say actually it would be arguably better to say well if we want to simplify it let's just look at one customer and their journey um so let's you know let's either decide uh, where we have a, a challenge because we don't, um, you know, we don't we don't feel we have the right offer for a particular segment, um, where we want to maximize the most important segment that we already have, um, where we perhaps, as a result of COVID, have different segments that have become more important you know, whether it's domestic or local or whatever, um, as opposed to international um, or people coming from further afield. Let's um, let's focus on that one type of customer and just map their journey. And um, then at least we've mapped the whole experience. We've taken ourselves through the whole process. Now we can um, apply that um, and, and see what, benefits we achieve from that um, And can I just say while I'm sort of talking ab- about that um, I think you you need to sort of be as as you go through the, the process of mapping you need to be considering three key aspects um, when we work with frontline teams we we give them a mnemonic which is mu and um, it's it's about you know that you know how cats, Um, stare at you this is because they're mind readers and they know what you're thinking and if you had that power uh, to know what your customer is thinking then wouldn't it be you know amazing because you could give them what they need or want um, and and your job would be um, more satisfying and their experience would be better well you can because MU stands for mood, expectation, and wants. And just by understanding these things, thinking about these things, you can start to get insights. So, for example, what mood is the visitor in? You know, obviously, when they arrive, they might be stressed because, you know, they've had a bad journey or because the kids are screaming or whatever, you know, all that sort of thing. Um, What expectations do they have, which could be positive or negative? You know, they might be expecting this is gonna be a brilliant experience from the get go, or they might be concerned that it's gonna be a bit of a rip off and it's gonna be full of, you know, sort of um, people that they don't want to hang out with um, or, or that um, it's gonna be very um, stuffy, um, depending on what the experience is. And you could have different, you know, expectations um, within one family unit or party. Um, and then the, th- and the, then the third element is, what do they want? What do they want right now? So for example, this stressed family arrives, kids are screaming and they've had a bad journey. They probably want baby change, toilet, coffee, in that order. They don't want you to go through a big rundown of, um, you know, the exhibition that's on this week or would you like to become a member at this point. Um, you can instantly therefore positively affect their mood by understanding what what they want Um, and also if their expectations were, oh God, we're going to have a load of hassle just before we even get in and, you know, we need need the baby change now, um, actually you can turn that on its head by literally focusing on what what they want. So, you know, you accentuate the positive and eliminate the negative in other words. And um, we find that You know, that is a really, really simple way of then getting um, the understanding that those moods, expectations and wants will change throughout the experience in ways that you may manipulate. I mean, if we're talking about, you know, sort of um, Disney or Universal, then they are manipulated without a shadow of a doubt. If we're talking about a lot of attractions, they could be manipulated if you actually realise that that was what was going on. So... You know, it's putting those insights. You can do that at that very simple level of mew, or you can start to think about, you know, what's the, you know, the equivalent of mood is what I call um, the, the, the loyalty proposition, the emotional journey, the memories you're creating, um, the experience itself, the expectations is what I call the brand proposition. You know, how well do we actually deliver against expectations and then the wants is is what I call the value proposition, which is how do we get people to spend money? How do we get people to um you know to want to to buy things, to become a member, to donate, et cetera, et cetera?
2: Um, Jerry, so what where would you where would you plump for if you had to pick your favorite child of customer journey
4: mapping? I, I, I think where would we start i am um, it, it kind of it, it, again it will depend that's what i'm that's hesitating because it will depend it, 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 if you're looking for a place to start in journey mapping and you're not quite sure where just sit down either on your own or with a, a couple of people on a zoom call and just kind of sketch it out just do something something is better than than nothing just and and, and pick a, a bit of the journey that you're most familiar with to start with so just do something beyond that um, there's, a, there's a couple of dimensions. And you know one is, as Stephen talked about here, is, is there a, uh, a burning platform? Is there a p- real problem that you know about somewhere that you keep getting feedback on? Customers are always saying this or they're always saying that. Have that as a focus. And is there something that's aligned to the commercial benefits of the organisation? So wh- where's your revenue going to come from? Or where are you taking the biggest cost hit at the moment that, that you think. Focus on that. Um, again, as Stephen talked about, you know what's going to align the experience in the most direct way to the brand promise? And, and how close are we to that? Do we want to look at what the future journey might be? So there's all those kind of considerations, but then kind of to bring it back to um, the, the tangible kind of where it might be focused, which is the favorite part of the journey. For me, I, I think it would be the, uh, in a visitor attraction context, is that that arrival bit. So um, there's the kind of the, you talked earlier about the, the pre-booking uh, and all the notifications that go with that, then the arrival, then being on site. And I think that arrival bit is often the the bit that sets the, the, the kind of first impressions. And uh, whether it's an airport, whether it's a, a theme park or whatever it might be, you, you're Excitement and anticipation are probably at their highest, and that then meets the reality of what you're about to go. and, and Hopefully, the, the two are complementary. But I think it's often the missed opportunity uh, because the focus is on, uh, on 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 the retail sites quite rightly, because that's where the revenue comes on. It's about the, as you said, Stephen, you know, what attractions have we got going on today. What else you could do? Getting membership, but that kind of arrival when you when you turn up and you're really excited and you pull into the car park and it's scruffy and it's full of potholes and it's pouring with rain but there's no shelter and you realise you've got a ten minute walk to the uh, to the entrance but you've got someone in a wheelchair and how's that going to you know all that stuff? It just needs focusing on and I think the the corollary to that is is then the leaving experience as well. Because again, it's something that has you know, the first impressions and the impressions you leave with, and you could have had the most fantastic day on site, but then when you're leaving, uh, and the, the whether it's the security people or, or whoever it might be, say something or do something, or this, you you can't find your way out of the car park because the signage isn't good. Yeah, it's so I would think those might be my focus areas if, if you're not led by the commercial the strategic the brand stuff then focus on those areas because by its nature visitor attractions focus on on the on, on the core the heart of what so that's going to be pretty good we would hope but the bits outside of that have just as big an impact on that day um, as the, the the bits in the middle
1: thank you so much Jerry for that I'm, 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 I'm buzzing I'm raised to do a custom oh. journey map now for my attraction
4: yeah let's uh, get some
3: post-it notes
1: out i'm ready i'm
3: ready oh, stop i don't understand
2: <laughs> <laughs> i don't have to be asked twice to get the post-it notes ready i tell you I
4: love yeah, them. they're always they're in a case ready to go <laughs> yeah break glass
2: for yeah. post-its that's <laughs> what
1: we need I, i'm not going to be sad but i did see a youtube video of how to actually rip post-it notes properly without Do you know where you normally rip it out it's got a curve <sighs> yeah There's a, yeah.
3: actually there's a proper way of doing it Don't experience... wow.
2: okay We'll, we'll put that in the show notes. We'll for
3: for sure. show notes I hope there's also one about how to tear flip chart paper off without it oh, just ripping.
2: No, nobody can do that. It's actually an impossible
1: task. That's great. Yeah. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Before we go, um, if you can just tell our listeners where they can find you on this wonderful internet, that'd be great. So let, let's start with, with um, Stephen. Where can we find you?
3: Uh, very simple, stephenspencerassociates.com and um, also on social media, Positive Stephen. And uh, thanks so much, both of you, for um, this experience. Um, and I've loved listening to Jerry. and um, uh, I'm sure we'll continue the conversation.
1: Oh, you're more than welcome, you're more than welcome. And Jerry, where can we find you?
4: Yeah. Um, uh jerry angrave on 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 linkedin on on twitter uh, the website is empathize.com that's um, empathy and then ce so empathize.com uh, and uh yeah if anyone's got any questions about what we talked about do do get in touch but likewise thank you Stephen. thank you carly thank you carlton uh I really enjoyed it um and yeah look forward to to carrying on the conversation uh, beyond
1: yeah no thank you so much it's been really insp- uh, ins- inspiring And I'm I'm really looking forward to kind of getting my teeth into doing some more customer journey mapping. Um, So thank you very much for your time. And we'll see you all on the next episode. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.